When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Carlton Blue. My name's Dan Rowland and I'm joined this evening by John Townley to talk about Liverpool 1, Aston Villa 1. A great result at Anfield, all things considered. And probably the theme of this podcast is we feel a little bit disappointed not to go there and take all three points, which shows the measure of how far we've come under Unai Emery. Now, when we did our pre-season predictions... By the way, John, are you okay? You are right? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Good. Yeah, get that out of the way. When we did our end-of-season predictions at Hockey Social Club last week, was it, I think, and it came out... Oh, no, the start of this week, and it came out a couple of days ago. Yeah. We were saying what Villa need to do to plot their unlikely route to Europe. That was the title, because we thought, well, we've probably got to get something against Liverpool, and we yeah. have to beat Brighton. And we now are beat Brighton, Villa in Europe next year, which is an unbelievable achievement and we'll talk about that more as we go through but we said if Villa can get four points out of those two games whatever the rest of the clubs do you know it can't really be helped that Villa would do very well to get four points out of these and obviously that is the maximum now they can get with a draw today and a win against Brighton putting us onto what would that be 63 points uh, I've got the table in front of me somewhere uh 61 I think if I've, if I've got it right on 58 yeah so 61 yeah. points and we said if we can break the 60 point target that's a good season. Whatever happens, we'll have come a long way, etc., etc. But we're in a mad position here, aren't we? Uh, one win away. Can you believe it? No, not really. Um, we. It's, it's a strange feeling because for weeks now, possibly in months, we've been thinking, okay, well, if we can get, you know, as you say, up to 60 points or in and around that, we'll be, you know, potentially in the hat for Europe. And then I was always looking at the last three games, you Tottenham, uh, Tottenham, Liverpool and Brighton, because those were always going to be the three teams that were going to be in and around us. And that's sort mm. of proved correct. But now we're in, actually in the position of we are literally one game away, one win away. You know, who knows, we might even just draw it and get it. But to be in that driving seat of it's in your own hands, like with one game remaining, like you don't have to worry about anyone else having games in hand or other fixtures. It's just one single game at Villa Park against a Brighton team who, if they beat Southampton, won't have anything to play for. Um, and then Tottenham are going to have to better our result and they're going to be playing a Leeds team who have to win themselves a Tottenham team who are now out of the top seven and are they really going to be you know going all at it to get seventh you know again that's a team that sort of binned off the conference league a couple of years ago I don't think so so all of a sudden I feel like everything has kind of just landed in our lap and <laughs> if we don't get them here I'll be puzzled as to as to how or what went wrong on on the day, um, because yeah, we've put ourselves we've put ourselves in a fantastic position, and 
yeah, I don't want to get kind of too ahead of myself, but I really, I really, I don't see how we sort of mess it up <laughs> from now. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, steady on. Honestly, you put it all together, and it's, uh, that's full credit to us, by the way. Um, mm. Here we are, and yeah, it just feels quite surreal because it's we're actually in the position now, and there's no sort of ifs or buts. It is literally just win that football match, or even you know match Tottenham or wherever it may be. And then you're in Europe again. And yeah, quite remarkable. And to be fair, I think when we were, you know, obviously we were beating Liverpool up until the 88th minute, 89th minute, there was a bit of me that oh, we can actually get Europa League now if, if we beat Brighton. <laughs> Brighton won, I think they would have had to have beaten uh, Southampton and Man City. Obviously, it didn't work out that we won today, but hey ho. Um, yeah, European football's almost, you know, I feel like we've got, got a huge opportunity now. We just need to take it. And I think we will. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Europe and the permutations and what we need to do a little bit later in the show, and also um, <laughs> like some of the comments we've said earlier in the season about Europe. I'm, I'm going to bring those back in as well. I wish I could been had time to like put the clips into the show, but I've just like transcribed what we said. There's some some belters in there. Um, I love the attitude, and there's a comment there from Neil. I just I just tuned in, and John said, "I have how John says he can't see how we mess it up, and I've messed that up. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. I love that attitude, and, and that's." Again, I said steady on there, but that's how I feel. Like, yeah, like we can't. Gonna... Sorry, like on. we can't be around the bush anymore. It's on a plate. It's it's there yeah. for the table. We've got like, one no hand on the trophy. It's <laughs> yeah. no disrespect for Brighton. It's just simply if Brighton beats Southampton, they'll have nothing to. I say nothing to play for. It's professional pride. But then playing us, their, their position won't change. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of what I'm where I'm coming from. Yeah, and my attitude to this will be. I think we'll win. So I'm also with you that we're not going to mess it up. But you know, it is football isn't as easy to predict as that, and there, and there are a few different ways it can swing and change. And like I said, we will talk about it. Because I'm keen that this is a post-match show for Liverpool. So let's talk about the Liverpool game. We'll do what we always do and go back to team news. Three changes for Villa: Kamara in, which is the big one; uh, Matty Cash back at right back, and Leon Bailey as well. And the pre-match show that me and Ash did, we thought if there were going to be any changes, it would be Kamara coming in, and maybe one of Buendia or Bailey. Or Possibly Traore playing off Watkins. We both said it. We thought it'd be Buendia because my reason was that he scored at Everton away. So similar part of the country, maybe he'll do a job against yeah. Liverpool. I uh, that. No theory behind it. I just uh, I fancy Buendia in this game. It was Bailey though. He struggled. Uh, I think probably out of out of the. I don't know. If struggled is probably fair, but he's hooked off. So right. make of that yeah. what you will. Um, I don't, that was yeah a little bit surprising. Same with Cash to a, to a lesser extent, but Kamara is the key one. And he's a brilliant footballer, isn't he? We all know he is. And it's a shame that he's been injured for so I say so much this season. It has been a fair chunk now. I think he had that one, obviously, between Gerard getting sacked and Emery coming in. He had that little injury there, which is, what, five or six games maybe. And then he sort of had another one, um, which is probably a bit longer. So, yeah, real shame that he's missed a, say, a fair chunk of the season. But we know how good he can be and... What he'll will, what he will give us if he can remain fit, which I think is a bit of a question mark because of, he's had two of them now. So going into next season, I'm a bit sort of worried of how, you know how many games can he do? Can he do a 35 game season plus potentially European football as well? So I wouldn't be surprised if we went in the market and bought someone else, not to replace Kamara, but just to add a bit more in that position because when he when he is out of the team, I think Dendonk has done well. Kamara, I think, gives us that protection in terms of he is that anchor from that back four. Uh, and so offensively as well, he, he can offer that protection that allows us to push the ball forward into the final third. Cash, I was a bit surprised to see start, if I'm being totally honest, and Cash Young was kind of a shoe-in for today just because of his experience. And obviously he would have played how many games at Liverpool in that sort of atmosphere when Liverpool have you know, 
presumably obviously young would be playing for United at the time for most of the games he's played there but he he knows what Anfield can be like in those sort of high pressure situations because they had to win today to get top four didn't they and they've only lost once now I think in nearly something like two two years and two months I think it is on Bailey yeah again just I think he's just struggling in general um he's obviously a different mm. profile to Wendy and to the other forwards we have he gives us that pace on the break and he can sort of you know play more high and wide a bit more expansive you know more more space on the pitch and you would probably back him to do something more so than Wendy I suppose just because it's uh that sort of game at Anfield but I think as it turned out I think Wendy would have actually had more joy in the first half than him because we kept the ball so well yeah. and we were so um controlling I think so yeah, a bit of a surprise that Bailey started and Cash started, but I actually thought Cash did well. And obviously Kamara, we don't have to sort of go on about him because, again, we all know how good he is. So Yeah, Dean was was a surprise. I don't know whether there was a Moreno injury. Obviously, he goes off injured later on anyway, whether that was just a rotation or a specific tactic from memory to, to deploy him against whoever, which, yeah, as expected. Like when we do this segment on the post-match show where we talk about the team lineup, obviously there's an element of we already know the results so we know whether it was a good or a bad side to to an extent. Under Emery, though, it's kind of like, well, if he thinks that's the side, fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to argue it. Oh, why is Dean playing? Why is Bailey playing? It's like, well, he think, you know, Emery thinks that's the side to beat Liverpool, so I'm fine with whatever he picks. Same for transfers and things. If he thinks a player is suitable and we're all going, well, he didn't have a great time at X club before. It's like, well, Emery's picked him for a reason, so kind of let him crack on because he he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the goal then. Um, actually, the penalty. We'll do it chronologically. The penalty decision, I thought it was a, a nailed-on penalty to begin with from, from Watkins going down. Um, I can't remember the, who the defender was, but you thought, yeah, penalty. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah Canato. The penalty itself, and Watkins is on a bit of a is a goal drought now, isn't it? I guess after the the um, the run he was on with was it nine and eleven, and now he's not scored for five, I think, or or one goal in five games or six games, something like that. Yeah. When he stepped up to take it, you think, oh, this is his chance to to kind of get his kind of get the monkey off his back and, and score a goal for us and break that. But I don't think he's got the best record at penalties, unless I'm mistaken. And I, I just wonder whether he was the right man for it. Oh. If it's not your striker, I don't know who. Too fair. Yeah. I think that's the wider point of De Villa have a proper penalty taker. And it's mad professional football you did. You know, someone's got to be able to take a penalty, but we don't have that player, do we? So, yeah, that's an issue moving forward because I don't know, as you say, if it wasn't Watkins, what do you do? Just let Miggin... Douglas Louise, possibly? Yeah, but... I mean, Watkins is stepping up for a reason. I presume, Mm. you know, a body more, I presume they're doing... uh, penalty practice but yeah it wasn't a good penalty because he missed the target he didn't even hit the post he's kind yeah. of tried too hard to put it in the corner hasn't he maybe Allison's kind of got on his head a bit because he is the best keeper in the Premier League by a long way and even if that went even if it went in the corner Allison might have saved it <laughs> so mm. yeah I don't know I, I would put it down to a number of things but what we do know is that Watkins isn't a natural penalty kick taker as you say he missed one at West Ham didn't he a couple of years ago and maybe mm. between now and then too um just on that, by the way, yeah, Bailey did start against Tottenham. Got confused. The three changes you say were Luca Dean, Cash, and Kamara. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another VAR 
decision then. Well, I say another. We haven't spoken quite a I'm all over the place on this, by the way, and this is kind of what the post-match show is at this point. Just yeah, let's ramble through it. Um, obviously, there's two VAR calls. I had notes on the side, but they've gone now that I've been kicked off the stream. So, very frustrating. Okay. Uh, so, there's the second goal, obviously, the Liverpool VAR decision. And the first one that went to VAR is the Mings red card, uh, checking possible red card. Um, I don't know how I feel about that because he gets the ball first, doesn't he? So... Yeah, if you win the ball, it's if you win the ball, it's not really a foul in some aspects, but he's also given the yellow card. So if you give the yellow card, you you deem that there's some kind of infringement there, so it is possibly a red. And then you go back and watch it, and they they decide that it isn't. Jurgen Klopp, by the way, I've got a clip in a sec that we can play. He's talking about effectively saying it looks like he's been sponsored by Adidas because he's got three lines down his chest. Um, although he didn't say Adidas, obviously Liverpool are sponsored by Nike. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's clear contact. Mings does get him, but because he gets the ball first, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's red. a red card. But again, if these things are all, you know, we're asked the Villa podcast last week. We we're moaning about Harry Kane winning a penalty. If someone does that for Villa, we're all over it. If that Mings challenges against us today, we're going. Why has Van Dijk not been sent off for that? But it didn't. It's Tara Mings, and I yeah. don't really care to be honest. Yeah, I I try and take advice out of it. Like I. Not to go back on it, but I thought the Kane penalty, I could see why they gave it. And if that happened to a Villa player, I think they would have given it. But today, I don't think that was a red card, no. Um, he won the ball. Don't get me wrong, if he didn't win the ball, it would be a red card. It's a, it's a massively high foot, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. well, yeah, and for Mings as well. But he's, um, I think he was the kind of, not the stamp, it's not a stamping motion, but he kind of pushed, kind of, he didn't back he's out. He's going to play the ball though, isn't he? Yeah, and he did, thankfully, because <laughs> if he didn't, it would yeah. be a red um, So, yeah, possibly could have avoided making that sort of tackle or that lunge but I think that was why they checked it on VR because he yeah he, I guess it's a lunging motion wasn't it that sort of went down his chest which isn't ideal but he won the ball so it's all good yeah I don't care let's see what Klopp says about it oh that's yeah I'm not sure he's saw Cody yeah. but he looks like sponsored by a very uh, famous brand it's like three massive I didn't see it back so it was a red card from your point of view. So then it's a question. <laughs> I cannot answer that question. I didn't. I was in, but I, um, I was probably too far away from that. Um, and, and saw Cody only later. Then when he showed it to me that, that you cannot do that without um, making a proper foul. So that's just me playing the sort of world's tiniest violin there for Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> Who cares, man? Like, I didn't see it. He was sat in the stands next to a video analyst. Like, he would have seen every single replay of that. So if you're going to stand by your opinion that you think it's a red, don't back out and say, I didn't see it. When he was on the touchline, mate, you've seen every angle of it. Yeah, if he's got contact with him, yes, whatever. But he won the ball. I don't care. Let's move on. The second VR decision that we're going to talk about is the offside. Now, I'm going to hold my hands up a little bit here and say, I'm not quite sure <laughs> what the rules are anymore. Um that I thought that the initial thing they were checking for offside was the first ball in. And then on the replays, they're showing the kind of close-up second second phase or whatever that Van Dijk gets some kind of touch on it towards Gakpo and he's offside. Um, and then there's all this talk about whether it's an intentional play by the defender or not. And if it is intentional, it is offside. Or if it's not intentional, it's offside. Like one of the rules. I don't really know anymore, to be honest. That's how I kind of feel about it. So if anyone, you specifically, or anyone in the comments can kind of clarify why that is, Again, tiny violin. Don't really care. It doesn't matter to me that that's offside because it benefits Aston Villa. And I'm massively hypocritical here because, again, if that was against Aston Villa, I'd be all over it moaning about it. But because it's going in our favour, I'm not really that bothered. But it did feel a bit like, was that offside? Was it not? Like, I don't know anymore. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of decisions that people don't know about anymore. I, I guess it's again, yeah. Was it what was the word? I think you might have said it there, Dan. It was like intentional, or not it's intentional. Like a deliberate, unintentional. Yeah, like I've seen one clip of it or one freeze frame on Twitter, so I'm not coming at this with the the best judgment. Uh, if I'd have seen it in high definition on match of the day tonight, and this is probably where if we're doing a podcast next week to talk about this game, I'd go, oh, well, I've seen it now and I can speak about it better. But as of right now, I've seen one freeze frame. It was an Aston Villa's favour, so. Yeah, it was offside. Offside. Yeah, basically. As for the rest of the game, the goal that did stand and the, the goal that's important to us, the Aston Villa goal, I kind of want to highlight Douglas Louise's role in this. And obviously, he gets the assist, so he's a big part of it. But the little, the, I think the two headers that come before he delivers the ball in are what basically keeps the chance alive. That we're really trying to to probe through Liverpool, and there's two two uh, two occasions where Liverpool go to clear it away, and Douglas Louise look Douglas Louise wins both second balls to keep the chance alive. He heads one back, comes back to him, heads that back, goes to another Villa player, and it comes back to Douglas Louise's, Douglas Louise's feet. And he puts a, a great ball in. Like the, the assist and the finish are brilliant. But that little kind of interchange before the chance even becomes available only be hap- only happens. Christ, I'm all over the place here. Yeah. Only happens because Douglas Louise is tenacious and doing the right things. Yeah, I, I was just watching it back then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, the key moment, just say, is the is the delivery. It's on a sixpence for um, yeah for Jacob Ramsey who's at the back post where Trent. Gets caught out quite a few times, so I'm, I'm not sure if that's something we've been working on in terms of yeah, possibly put the ball towards the back post, or maybe Ramsey is. I mean, I didn't see it too much in the game, but maybe Ramsey's thought if I, you know, stand on uh, or not literally, but if I stand or stand behind his, you know, um, towards the back post on his shoulder, sort of thing, then he's going to get opportunities, and he took he took it well, like yeah, again, really good ball, but it's a difficult technique to guide that away. Um, mm into the far corner again and the ball was moving at some speed. So, yeah, really good. Yeah, you've, you've seen many Villa, Villa players sky that over the bar from that, that distance. Yeah, or just fluff your line sort of thing, but no, yeah. you can try well Ramsey. And he, he gave he gave, uh, gave the Liverpool fans some some stick after, didn't he? He was like shushing him and all good. sorts. Like, it wasn't just the fans behind the goal, he went for the next stand as well. I love that. <laughs> so why? But I don't know like, <laughs> what the motive was. I don't know whether um, whether they were giving some, some stick before. Maybe. The goal, or whatever, but yeah, all for that. Yeah, let's just talk about JJ very quickly. Yeah, he probably gets a little bit of stick sometimes, and maybe some of that's fair, and some of it isn't. That he's not kind of like if he doesn't have a, a, a you know, three or four games, he doesn't play particularly well. It's kind of like, why is he in the team? What does he offer? Like, is he good enough that we just go, oh, he's, he's a guaranteed starter? And part of that is because there isn't really another option to play off the left at the moment, and, and maybe going forward next season, there will be more options, which, which means um, Jack Ramsey doesn't play every single minute of every single game. But he's also a 21-year-old footballer, which I think is probably quite difficult, easy, uh, easy to overlook sometimes, that he's that was his 100th appearance today, and I don't know how many goals he's got. And I want to make a comparison here that I know he's going to get clipped up in the wrong way, that he's miles ahead of Jack Grealish at the same age that he was at Aston Villa, who was doing the same things in the Championship. And the goal, again, I've not got them in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Ramsey's output is better now in the Premier League than Grealish's was in the Championship at that age. I'm sure I've seen that somewhere. That, you know, however many goals and assists Ramsey's got now, Grealish hadn't even done that at a lesser level by this this age. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's he's, d- he's done a lot in a short career already so far. I think you kind of go, if he has a couple of bad games, you go, oh, he's experienced enough now and he's played a lot of games and he has, but he's also only 21 and he's got a massive amount still to grow and learn and, and Emery's the best manager to get something out of him. Yeah, yeah, I did a piece on it um, last night because I, I saw that it was a, he had night night games and I thought, oh, we need to do something for his 100th. Um, yeah. I saw he had like scary potential I, and I back that because, again, 100 appearances at this age, 90 of them, I think, are in the Premier League. And the way that he's matured and we know that Emery can improve footballers, I feel like he's just going to do that under Emery. The only yeah. thing i say is that because that consistency, which hasn't always been there, again, because he's 21, the only I say issue for his sort of progression would be that we are going to improve the team, which means that he will start less games in the Premier League next season, I, I think, than mm. what he has this year. Um Again, that's not the worst thing in the world because, again, hopefully European football is is on the way. Yeah, and he'll, you know, you don't need to start every game to improve and get better. You can, I don't know, don't know quite how to say that, but he he will continue to progress under Emery. We just might not see him play sort of every game or play as much as what he has been doing over the last two years now. Because yeah, our last season wasn't it when he really started to. Um, sort of come of age in the Villa, in the Villa team under uh, Smith, firstly, and then Gerard. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people bash Gerard, um, and if some things Gerard would probably admit that are probably correct. But I would say that he dealt with Ramsey well, I think, and he definitely pushed him on. And working with or just being with someone who is arguably the best Premier League midfielder of all time, you can say what you want about Gerard as a coach, but just learning habits and learning how he approaches whatever it may be, you know tips but whatever that would have benefited mm. and just working with him for however many months was it i don't know i can't even remember now it wasn't a very long time but having those sort of mentors smith is a kind of like a bit of a father figure to him in a way to bring him through then gerard having that um, level of experience as a footballer to now working with an elite manager that's that's quite some um you know i don't know you know beginning to your premier league career i suppose working with those three managers and you just say he's turning 22 later this month, I think. So he's got a lot to achieve and hopefully all of it will be in a Villa shirt because, yeah, he's got his ceiling. I wouldn't want to limit it because I think he's got everything, the way that he can run with the ball and the way he can so kind of go the other way. He can get stuck in. I think he has the most, similar he has the most tackles or the most attempted tackles or something in the Villa team this season, which sort of surprised me. So, yeah, he gets stuck in and... Um, yeah, he's a really good player that's only going to continue to get better under Emery. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, I'm not comparing the, him and Grealish. That's oh, all. I'm not going to say Ramsey's going to be someone for 100 million next season or anything, but, you know, he's the next academy product that we're looking at to be like, what De Villa produce here? And he's done very well so far. And like you said, has a lot more potential to improve. And Carney Chukamaka, who was the kind of, you know, is yeah. he going to take Ramsey? He ain't going to get 100 appearances or 90 Premier League appearances over the next two years. Yeah. No way is that going to happen. I mean, it can't happen, can it? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but the next yeah. three years, though. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's kind of what nine he must be nineteen now, I think. So I think he was, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it, like you kind of compare. It was Jack, then it was Jacob, then Carney came, and Jacob was kind of in the middle, and there was never a spotlight on him because it was Jack was doing mm. so well, and we have Jacob, and then it was when he went, oh, Carney, this kind of new, new, and rightly so because he's a brilliant player for his age, but he maybe made the wrong decision. Who knows? And Ramsey's kind of in the background, just gone about his own business, knuckled down, and that is and that's showing him where he is now. And he's clearly been guided in the right way. And yeah, loads of years 
ahead of him to do almost whatever he wants in a Villa shirt because we're going places and he's certainly going to be part of that. So, yeah, really looking forward to see how he develops. Yeah, exactly that. Should we have a look at the Premier League table? We're, we're 25 minutes into this yeah, match. Uh, well, well, I've already seen it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't already had a quick scroll to see where we are? Um, yeah, this has obviously been the Liverpool post-match show. I think we've covered most stuff that I wanted to talk about from Liverpool. The Ming's red card, the penalty... Jacob Ramsey, the goal, Douglas Louise. Like, but by the way, Tyra Mings was brilliant. We only talked about him in, yeah, in the yeah. sense of the red carpet. He was unbelievable, I thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole defence was really good. Um, yeah. I think that was the one thing that Klopp gave us a little bit of credit for, just just a tad. Um, <laughs> they were defensively quite good. But uh, yeah, just in the first half as well, I think that's probably one of the best performances we've had in terms of mm. going to somewhere. Again, Liverpool have lost once at home since like March 2021. <laughs> like, yeah, ridiculous. I was against Leeds, so you don't want to kind of belittle it, but probably a bit of a fluke. Um, so yeah, to go to go to Anfield and come that close to winning, but in the end, it's like a, well, actually, it's not as um, disappointing as what it might have seemed in a way, because we know that, you know, the mission is Europe and we can still do it. It's, it's yeah. not a huge disappointment, but that first half for me was, yeah, brilliant. We completely dominated and controlled it. Said so dominated, we, you know, we, weren't, we shouldn't have been falling up or anything, but just having that control and not, mm. you know, no mistakes. And we did it all from playing out from the back against the high press, a Liverpool high press as well at Anfield. That's remarkable, really. So, yeah. And, and, we're, and we're still playing the high line that we were criticised for after the Spurs oh, yeah. game. We caught, caught Liverpool out a few times today. Like, um, they're, they're probably one of the most dangerous teams to play that style of football at, yeah. against. And, yeah, like first off, in particular, just masterclass is, is the word to describe it. That 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 tsunami was Aston Villa, that first half. And the second, when you're trying to hold on to the lead, it's a six at the back at some points, but there's still moments where you kind of break out from nowhere and you go, we're, we're still dangerous here. Like It's not yeah, like we're Tony yeah. Pulis football, proper defensive, doing nothing, and we're just going to sit on the goal line for 45 minutes. Like We're still we're still something about us. Yeah, we know, um, yeah we're exactly that. it's not retreating and defending on, yeah. the, on my box. It's not that. There's a method to the what some people might see as madness, but it really isn't. It's just playing a high line to catch them offside, which means that you don't yeah. concede the ball. It's not, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk about stoppage time very quickly because we've been asked to talk about it by Mr. Cheesy Fire, who seems to get mentioned on every, every, every episode. Uh, what about stoppage time? Discuss, please. Yeah, to me, that's that's peak yeah, big only, six club trying to get the advantage there. Like 18 yeah. minutes of stoppage time. Are you mad? Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that is I think they've started a new sort of regime with that this weekend. Ironically. What, on the 37th so, week of the Premier League? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. When, uh, I was, obviously, because we work and I was working before this and uh, I was doing something about Neves and Wolves and um, he, he mentioned that he asked the referee about something and he said that, basically, long story short, there's a load of added time in every game this weekend. I think there was like nine or ten in the Everton game because they scored in the 99th minute, didn't they? Yeah, I saw that. The Forest game, there was a load as well. I, just, I, I think because I I there's, there's a big narrative at the moment about time wasting, which again, Jürgen Klopp was eager to point out that there should have been about 15 minutes added. So I think, I don't know, Howard Webb maybe might have said to the referees, we need to do what, or at least trial for the last two games, what the World Cup did when they just added like double digits added time at the end. I'm not totally mm. against, to be honest, because in football matches, the game, the ball's in play for about 55, 60 minutes, which is mad when you think about it. You know, mm. if you're asking fans to pay nearly £1,000 for a season ticket and then you're not actually seeing yeah. more than two thirds of the game. But yeah, I don't know. It's probably just a wider conversation, but it wasn't just in our game. So... I don't think we can kind of call it like an Anfield thing or anything. 
I'm gonna. <laughs> I know you just, just because I can. So uh, <laughs> that's just like, oh, Liverpool need a goal to keep their top four hopes alive. Here's ten minutes. So yeah, there we go. Anyway, that would be the easy way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the league table then. Here we go. Uh, Man City, champions again for the third time in a row, thanks to Nottingham Forest beating Arsenal, which that must always be a, quite a, I mean, I'd absolutely take it. But that must be a quite a weird way to win the Premier League that you don't even play. Like, Man City haven't played and, and now they're, yeah. they're champions just through Arsenal's defeat. Yeah, I think they'll play at home tomorrow, so that'll be like their thing. But yeah. yeah it's still know. weird. Yeah, I mean, they've won, like, what is it, like five of the last six. It's getting a bit boring, so... It's just monopolising the league. No, it is. Let's be honest. Fair enough. Getting out of control. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fine. What? I'm surprised. I don't know if anyone cares, um, but Jonathan <laughs> Liu, Jonathan Liu, or Liu uh, for mm. The Guardian wrote a really nice piece about sort of state-linked ownership. And um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but like after City blew away Real Madrid and it kind of feels like they're going to win the treble and, well, yeah, it's, it's almost a bit obvious. I don't know. Just try and read that piece though because I think it's really good and it kind of, I don't know, changed my perceptions of everything in terms of where football's yeah, going. Um, but. Uh, I'm sure it's pretty easy to win five trophies in uh, five leagues in six years if you're going to cheat your way to it and break 100 well, financial rules. Allegedly. We, we, allegedly not proven yet but um allegedly they have those uh, charges they have those charges against them so yeah. uh, and if they and if they were found guilty of them then obviously they would be a bit tainted but at the moment they're not so we can't comment on that but but but, but the kind of wider point of they can sign Calvin Phillips for 45 50 million and not play him and it doesn't matter yeah they can replace mad replace Phil Foden for Jack Grealish 100 million um you know kind of do what you want, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it's I've got to say, they've got the best of everything, which is kind of fair play. Ironic, <laughs> but as in, <laughs> if, if they're not guilty of those charges, then okay, well, you got the best managers and you bought the best players. You know, there's nothing to stop you if you're not found guilty of those rules being broken. But it does kind of make the title race, although it's been good for this for this season, to be fair to Arsenal, but. I just don't see how Man City don't continue to continue winning the league, winning the Champions League, winning everything for the rest of eternity. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just going to want to say because I want to move away from Man City. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love that I can mention something like Kane's diving and cheating or Arsenal, uh, Man City's financial charges, and I can turn the screw on you a little bit and you go, "Well, we can't say that." Allegedly, we can't say that, and you just kind of like squirming into your seat. Of well, course, it's could... alleged. Harry Kane's not really a cheat, but I just like I like needling you a little oh, bit. That's an opinion. Uh, of course, um, Newcastle pretty much guaranteed to finish top four. I think uh, they've got a game in hand over Liverpool, of course. Man United yeah, again the same. So you'd imagine beat... that's the top four. I think they can um, beat. They'll beat Leicester and then get that. Yeah, that's that's pretty much sewn up. Liverpool can't finish any higher than fifth. Um, well, it's unlikely that I finish any higher than fifth, yeah. uh, and, and they can't finish any lower than that for sure. Uh, can they? Uh, again, very very unlikely. Brighton would have to win all three games. Liverpool don't win their final game. Unlikely, but yeah, Liverpool fifth. You'd imagine Brighton sixth at the moment, thirty five games, fifty eight points, plus eighteen goal difference. We said on the show we did in the week that if there is a side that deserves European football, Brighton are probably have probably been the most consistent, consistently good team throughout the entire season, and they're up there for a reason. Villa were poor for 10 games and have had a great 2023 and also deserve to be where they are. Um, Brighton have consistently done it throughout the entire season, so they're where they are. 
Aston Villa 7th, 37 games played, 58 points level with Brighton, but goal difference of 14 worse. And Spurs down in 8th place, also 37 point, uh, 37 games, 57 points, thanks to Brentford beating them this morning in the 12.30, which we said Brentford's a difficult game for them, the 12.30 kickoff, like, you know, how does that affect Villa later in the day, knowing the, the Spurs result? And also, we mentioned in that video that, that Brentford aren't quite out of it, knowing that if they did beat Spurs, that looks very tight now from ninth to sixth, again, with Brighton's games in hand. That if Brentford do go and beat Man City on the final day, which I don't see, but is possible, if, if City are resting players for the Champions League, say, I mean, their second string is still more than good enough to beat Brentford, but football isn't easy that, that easy to predict. If they did, and Villa didn't win against Brighton, all of a sudden, Brentford have propel themselves into European football. So they, they weren't out of it and we were right to give them a mention in, in the last video we did and today. Yeah. So the permutations are, simply put, if Villa beat Brighton next week, they guarantee a top seven finish. Because no matter what Brentford or Spurs do in that in their final game, they couldn't get to 61 points, which is what Villa would get. So they guarantee to finish seventh. If Brighton don't pick up more than two points against Southampton and Man City, and obviously us as well, guarantee that we've got to beat them, Villa theoretically could still finish sixth, but would also rely again on Spurs not winning against Leeds on the final day. Is that right? Well, I mean, if we beat Brighton, then we'll finish with Spurs anyway. So we would finish sixth if we beat Brighton and they don't pick up more than two points, yeah. Yeah, so, but we're all expecting Brighton to beat Southampton, get three points and finish sixth. I think so. Basically. Yeah. There, is a, there is a kind of twist to that of um, if we, uh, another sort of permutation, but if, if Brighton didn't beat Southampton and on the final day we could finish sixth, we would then be playing a Brighton team who were playing for something, playing to not, if, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So weirdly, we could lose that game and then Spurs could finish above us and we finish in eighth. Like that so that on that if if Brighton don't beat Southampton or Man City, then it could be any one of those three teams in any in any position. So yeah. that's kind of scary at the same time. So I wonder if we kind of just um, you know, Brighton beat Southampton and then we just take seventh, hoping that Brighton won't be bothered about playing <laughs> and we just beat them. So we're playing team <laughs> playing for anything. I don't know, but that's just a just a thought of, you know, I don't know. It's yeah, probably overworked it, in my but Yeah, it's it's a possibility. But the, the main takeaway is that if Aston Villa beat Brighton next week, they guarantee themselves Europa Conference League at the minimum. Depending on what, if, if let's say Southampton beat them and they get one point against Man City and Villa beat Brighton on the final day, it's possible that Villa could propel themselves to Europa League and stick the place. But at the very least, regardless of everything else, you beat Brighton, you guarantee at least Europa Conference League, which if you'd have said that, I don't know, even three months ago, you'd have said, oh, well, yeah, we're on good form, but still a long way to go. If you just say six months ago when Emery took charge, it's just, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I, like I said yeah. at the very start, I've, go on, yeah. I've, I've dug out a couple of a couple of quotes from, from videos we've done earlier in the season. So in the mid-season show that we did in the Qatar World <laughs> Cup break, when Emery had just taken charge, beat a Man United, beat Brentford, um, I think we were talking about when he when Gerard was sacked that we were like only out of the the bottom three by like goals scored or goal or goals goal difference goal or whatever like it yeah goal scored so like even Emery's like mini resurgence of getting the two wins in the league got us well out of danger in the immediate thing but it's kind of like, oh is this a bounce like you know is it going to work out long term blah blah we'll wait and see and you went off on a little bit of a spiel about well 
you know, we're not a million miles from Europe. And Matt Kendrick jumped in like, whoa, calm down, mate. Like, don't even talk about Europe. It's it's not worth it. And that was right. in you know, mid-November, late November. Even earlier than that, the night, or the, I think the day after Gerard was sacked, you, me and Ash did a video. And I said, at this stage, if he finished 12th, you'd probably take that. It would be silly to even mention Europe this season. So the fact that we were like a top half finish is probably out of our reach this year. Like that would be unbelievable. And like if you finish 12th, you know, mid-table mediocrity, you'd be all fine with that because we'll go again next season. And obviously we didn't know who who the manager was going to be then at at that point the night after Gerard was sacked. Yeah. Um, So the fact that we're in this position now is unthinkable really that it's in our hands that you're one win away from Europa Conference League. Yeah, I mean, I think it was about mid-March where it was kind of becoming more clear that we would have a shout of it if we maintained the form. Um, mm-hmm. Previously, it was it was always weeks and weeks of, oh, we're still behind Chelsea. Chelsea have won again and you know we can't overtake them. And what are we? I don't know how many points we are ahead of them. It must be double, double digits plus, um, at least. So, yeah, to be in this position with 15, one, 15 points clear. <laughs> Yeah. Mad. Mad. Um, again, that was only a few months ago where we were saying like, "Oh, we finally got over Chelsea," and that felt like a huge lift. Yeah. And then we'd be like eighth, and you'd look at I don't know the Sky Sports <laughs> on like Super Sunday. We'd come up with the table and we'd be like, "Oh, look at us!" Like seven points away from here. It's mad. Um, sort of the long, the longer it went on, the more it was like, "Oh, we could do this. We could do this." And then, but to actually, yeah, be in. <laughs> be in like the final game of the season knowing that all you've got to do is win that game again against a team who maybe might not have anything to play for and it, it, the other permutation being that Tottenham would have to better our result again against the team who have to win to stay up mm. and the Spurs really want to get Conference League I'm not too sure so yeah if we don't do it from here I'm going to be um, really frustrated obviously delighted with the season and how it's gone but can't get ourselves because I don't see I mean, if Tottenham were to beat Leeds, then that would be the only way that I'd. I can't see us losing to Brighton. So if that's if Brighton were to beat Southampton and have nothing to play for, like, I just yeah, I, I think it's there for us now. I, I think it's all just come together, and hopefully we'll do it. But yeah. so in the match preview we did for Liverpool, I had a little chat about how today's game against Liverpool felt a little bit like the FA Cup semi-final where all the hype was around Liverpool and Steven Gerrard getting his fairy tale send-off by winning the FA Cup final on his birthday in his final season for him, blah, 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 almost dismissing the fact that they play Villa in the semi and this was just going to be a walk in the park and they get to the final. Obviously, we throw the spanner in the works, beat them and, and get to the final. We get pumped by Arsenal, but we'll ignore that a little bit for, for now. That felt like today a little bit like, oh, it's Bobby Firmino's last game and we're going to have a fairy tale ending and it's going to be a great atmosphere and we're so close to Champions League, blah, blah. I felt like Emery could go there with a plan and, and get something. And I said to you before, do I think we'll go there and win? Not necessarily, but I feel like we can win because I've got the belief under Emery that we can go to anyone and give them a game. And, and that's been proven time and time again. And, and to go to Anfield, who've got a great, uh, Liverpool have got a great record there, to play the way we did in the first half almost win if not for a last minute goal and loads of injury time again like it we could have been the one that the like leads stopped that that long record of of them not losing at home and and really spoil the party for them we have anyway because the point's great and it still keeps us going to the final game and emery said for a long time if we go to that last game with something to play for 
I'm happy with that. Like that, that's the goal. Go to that last game, knowing if you get something, you can finish in Europe. Now, to yeah. me, again, I'm going to go with the kind of analogy to what it feels like, and this is just my kind of perception of it as a fan. To me, getting through this week and getting to the final game with something to play for is like the playoff final. The, the hard bit was West Brom in the semi. As soon as I knew we were, we'd got to the final and it was Derby, I yes. said, I don't know if I said it on anything publicly at the time, I definitely said in private, we'll 100% win because all yep. the momentum was with us to even get into the playoffs with the 10-game winning run. We'd got well. over the hard bit with, yeah, yeah Leeds sure. had gone out already. We'd um, we'd beat West Brom in this penalty shootout. Like, it took everything. It was a big, massive effort. There's no way with the, men- the momentum we've got, we lose to Derby in this one-off game. Yeah, that's-, that's how I feel about the Brighton game. Like, I yeah. don't see a, f- a fact that we lose next week. Well, yeah, I, my thing is just I don't see Tottenham better in our result, if you want to put it another way. That's yeah. my feeling. Like, whether we win the game or not, I, I think we probably will because of, again, Brighton might not have much to play for and we'll be up and at it. But for Tottenham to better our result, I think is really slim. And so by that, you mean if we only draw to Brighton, they've got to beat Leeds and you don't see that happening? Basically, yeah. Because yeah. Leeds, I mean, it would, it would take a bit of a... I mean, Leeds, this is going out before Leeds play West Ham. If Leeds were to beat West Ham, they, they'd be in the same position as us. Of They would have to, um, or Everton would have to better their result to hmm. them to go down, you know. So, yeah, tomorrow's a huge game for them, but I just can't see, you know, Leeds, Ellen Road, they have to win the game, simple as that. Tottenham are going to turn up and they probably don't want to be there. So, <laughs> I, I just feel, like, again, it's just, it's everything's kind of come together. And as you say, we have that sort of feeling of, Surely we're going to do it now, and it's not like a false hope thing or we're jinxing it. It's just yeah, like you add it all together, it makes sense for us just to finish in the top seven now. Because <laughs> if we don't, no, it's huge like oh, really? How did we not do it in the end again? Yeah. Incredible season, or you know, second half or wherever maybe since Gerard went. But from this position right here, right now, with one game remaining, yeah, come on, just get over the line. Yeah, it's just I'm not bothered about the like I read out all the massive list of permutations. They're like if Brentford do this and we do that, I, I think, it, none I of it matters. That's what helps. We know that if we just win that football match, that's it. Yeah. What else happens? Yeah, that's because I didn't think we'd be in that position. I thought we'd be in a position of I don't know, still level needing up. goal difference or something. Yeah, yeah, level on points with Spurs, and we'd have to better their result to get in. And to me, I would have mm. taken that because I think we would be able to do it anyway. So mm. to be in the position I mean, we are now, we're, we're yeah. Like Tottenham are, they're gonna to have to better our result. That's they're not even. If you think about it, they're not even gonna go into that game thinking of oh, we have to better Villa's result, Villa's results to get the top seven. They're just gonna turn up and be like, right, let's try and end the season on a high. Do you know what I mean? It's a completely mm. different mentality because they don't want Conference League football. Yeah, I mean Tottenham are a much better team than Leeds on paper, and it wouldn't take much for, for Leeds to be crap there and Tottenham beat them, which is fine. Which is yeah. fine. I absolutely, that's absolutely fine. Tottenham could win on the last day. I think it's that. Th- no, no, they're not. But they're obviously a better side than Leeds because they're in the top seven, and Leeds are on the verge of going down. So yeah, on paper, clearly yeah. they're better. Yeah, but it, it don't matter because we're going to beat Brighton. Like I, don't, I just don't. Like it's not like I can see into the future or anything. But like I can't like envisage a loss next week. And I know that that's it's going to sound massively stupid if we do. And there's going to be a million people come back to this and go, "Oh, look at him chatting rubbish on the podcast." But it's just yeah. the momentum is with us. Like there'll be forty thousand there. It'll be a mad atmosphere. Probably the best of the season. Like there's no reason that that isn't a Newcastle and a Spurs where we all get over the line together. Like you just know. We've said a long time, haven't we, about 
eight cup finals, seven cup finals, five cup finals, whatever. It is now one cup final. It's one game. You win, you get there, you lose, you probably don't. I mean, if you lose, you probably you still could do it if all the others lost, uh, which is well likely. But to be fair, Brentford could lose to Man City and Leeds could beat Spurs and Brighton beat us, and we'd still get it, which is balmy. But I just, I just think I think we'll win because the momentum is with us and we've got ourselves into a position where it's now in our hands where you could be two up at half time and go, right, we're the real deal here. If we win and we see this game out, we've done it. So I put my neck on the line over a week in advance and say Villa beat Brighton next week and finish seventh. Because I, I just I firmly believe that that will happen. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> um I think we'll beat them. But then it's just again it's nice just to have that comfort blanket of but even if we don't, I still think we would get over the line because I don't see Spurs better than a result which don't yeah. unless, unless Leeds have a car crash and they you know stink it out and they you know I don't know they go they throw the juggler in it's nil nil and then they lose like three nil I don't know that would be the only way I'd see it change but we'll see what happens it's just nice to be in the position that, well, nice that's understating it it's it's a madness to be in the situation that we we're in um I suppose the only downside today is Alex Moreno season's over Luke mm, Dean yeah. I, I don't know if he's don't quite know what the injury is there. That'll come out in the week. So that's a bit of a frustrating one that we probably won't have a left back or if not, then it will be Luke again, which is fine because I actually think he did quite well today. But yeah, um, yeah we won't have Moreno. But yeah, we'll be playing a Brighton team who might not be playing for anything and we've just got to win the game to get top seven. So quite there's a, a, there's uh, a comment. There's a comment here that we'll end on from the, the football discussion um, from Cloudy who says I couldn't see us losing to Bournemouth away Leicester at home or Wolves away but it happened and football is unpredictable so the game is over and it's absolutely spot on and I agree with that and like I said I could look like a massive mug next week if Brighton yeah. beat us and we, and we finished ninth because Brentford beat Man City or something silly but the only kind of different kind of mentality shift I'd put on it with those games is that whether you think about it or not, you always know there's another six games after that or 20 games after this one. Like today's result doesn't yeah, yeah. really matter. It's Next week, it's like if we don't do it, it's on us. This is the last thing. Like oh, yeah. it's Brighton or nothing. So that probably raises your game 5%. And that's probably enough with a great home crowd to get over the line. So, yes, football isn't as easy as just going, yeah, we'll win, move on. Because if it would work like that, yeah, we we're not in a job, but yeah, and I'm not, I just can't see us not doing it. Not jinx, it's not jinxing it or anything to suggest that we're not going to go into that game. As again, if everything plays out as we think that Brighton will beat Southampton, we will be favourites to win that game. It, like those yeah. are facts because we're playing for something they're not, and we're at home. So and we beat them away. Like <laughs> there we go. Like, it's not a kind of being a big-headed thing. I know that wasn't the comment. I'm not even talking about that. I just meant in general. Uh, I don't think it's been over. Um, confident or anything it's just simply it's a final at Villa Park and I think we'd back yeah. ourselves to beat you know most teams at the moment so yeah bring on and also just on Brighton very specifically they're either they are a good side of course yeah they've got they've got they've got a problem in them like the Everton game is the one isn't it where you just go oh they got battered there like out of nowhere like they're yeah. either very good because they, then they go and absolutely tear Arsenal to shreds 3-0 the game after, obviously battered Wolves as well. I think the week before the Everton game, but it's just kind of like there's, like there's they, something there they, that you you, you, you could beat Brighton four 0 next week, and it's just like well that doesn't look unexpected because they do have a mad result in them yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's true, yeah, and but also between now and then they play they play two games, they play Southampton and Man City, and whatever they do and whether it means they're guaranteed sixth or whatever, it's still 180 minutes of football that we don't play. We've got a week of preparation. Like, yeah. It's all in our favour, basically. I know we're getting carried away. That We're guaranteed to win and all that, but it's just if I have to put my neck on the line and I am, we'll beat them. 
yeah, both 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 sides. Of the, it's the Tottenham game is in our favour because they're playing a team who have to win, and again, it's Tottenham. And then our game, we're playing it again. I'm not going to say it all again, but yeah, the, it it's all in our hands, and we've got to do the job still, of course. But yeah, absolutely back us to do it. Yeah, exactly the same. And the last thing I want to mention is our Claret Blue live show, which is now on the verge of being a Claret Blue party. If we actually qualify for Europe, it's going to be a great end to the season to be able to get together and, and chat through it and also have a beer and, and kind of celebrate. We've kind of said all the way through that you know, if we do <laughs> have your water, John, it's fine. If we don't qualify for Europe, it's still a it's still a good season to talk about, and that will be the case regardless of what happens next week. But if we do kind of creep out of nowhere and get not out of nowhere, but it's kind of it wasn't in our hands and now it is. So we've uh, kind of had this event prepped for a few days after Brighton. If we do get into the top seven, that's a, a night for us to kind of celebrate that and chat through it and, and have a drink, like I said. So if you want to come along, tickets are about I think there's about 75 left. I think we've sold 300 now and the, the venue capacity is about 370, 375. Um, there's tickets down below. They're free. You can come along. If you don't fancy it, you just cancel your ticket. You don't have to pay anything. It'll be you, me, John, Matt Kendrick and James Rushton filling in for Ash, who is unavailable. And we'll be talking through the season as a whole, but more specifically 2023, hopefully our kind of upward curve into Europe uh, as well. And if if you want to come, there's tickets down below. And uh, yeah, it'll be hopefully a, a celebration of the season because we've achieved something. And you look at you know, what we've said about the Conference League before, is it is it a proper trophy and blah, blah, blah. We've said it all before. But you look at West Ham last night or, or Thursday night, whenever it was, and their celebrations to, to finally get yeah, to yeah. the final. And I want a bit of that for Villa. So oh, yeah. I don't care what the competition is. Yeah, I don't want to be painted as a villain in this whole piece. It's <laughs> 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 kind of been named out in that, in that comment. But um <laughs> yeah, no, we need. <laughs> yeah, we need a. Yeah, it'll be. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. It. <laughs> yeah, like you put the corner. Yeah, it'll be a, a really good thing to get, and <laughs> that would allow us to get Europa League if we were able to win it. So, which would be much faster in the Premier League. Yeah, Mourinho's Roma won it last year, and now they're in the Europa League final because they qualified exactly. for that. So if they win the Europa League final, Roma win the Champions League. So there's the pathways there. That's what's to celebrate. My my only thing that was just that if there wasn't Europa League involved, it would be a bit of a, can we just be in the Europa League instead? Maybe we will be. Maybe Southampton will win. Oh, mate, it's still on. Next Uh, season, strange, not to drag on, there's a strange sort of coefficient thing happening. I think it's like the top five teams, which I'll be honest, I don't really understand it, but um, that's something to look at. (laughs) <laughs> later down the line yeah let's t- baby steps mate let's get there first um john thank you very much for joining me this evening i apologize it's been, it's been a little over the all over the place it's bloody boiling in this room now the weather's taking a little bit of a, a, a rise it's, it's bad up here it's been dramatic yeah. as well so we are a bit all over the place and we're doing 50 minutes of it though so yeah this is this is what the post-match show is it's it's supposed to be a bit of this is the vibe. This is how we feel. You know, where are we going to go next? It's not like a we're going to talk about this, 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 and this and have structure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we're going to, and this is something we'll talk about in the live show and probably early June. There's a bit of a claret and blue restructuring coming soon. Is all I can say at the moment. Where things are changing, cogs are turning. We'll have some new shows. There'll be some changes to the shows that we do at the moment. We might rebrand things differently and package them differently. And 
yeah, we'll talk about that later down the line because I think things are going to change a little bit. Still, although that's not like the podcast is ending or anything, or we're going to bin things off. Like we're still doing the, the podcast yeah, next yeah, year, but more, it's going to look slightly different. More structure, which like I don't know, like this this post match show is all good and stuff, but it is a case of with like any other human being, we've just had our dinner and we haven't really thought about doing the show yet because we are working as well, so it's kind of jumping on and talking yeah really provided too much of an insight i don't think whereas no i think it's still it's still no, good it's, but i think, don't get I me think wrong. going forward we have a, a again this is a planning meeting on air we have a more structured show at the start of the week where we say right we're going to talk about these six topics and the post-match show is maybe 25 minutes half an hour and it's like let's talk about a couple of things and then go away again we've done 52 minutes and it's descended into a bit of waffle and we're all over the place like we don't really want that we want it to be a bit tighter we're trying yeah. to feed the appetite of Fivilla coverage after a game, but could we do better in terms of actually analysing it, picking picking the pieces out of it, which I think the answer to that is yes. So, yeah. yeah. That's over the yeah. news. But... Yeah, we'll talk about it at the end of the season. Yeah. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it at the live show. We'll do a little video about what does the Clark Blue podcast look like next season. But yeah, the way I worded that then was like, yeah, we're not doing it next season. It'll still be here. It's just going to look, look a little bit different. Yeah. Um, the main message to take away, though, is a comment here from Emery Thing Villa that I forgot to mention. I hope Kendrick is recording his unicycle progress. Oh yeah. yeah. He said, if Villa get into Europe, oh, I will learn to ride the unicycle. Goodness. I did text him and say, how do you feel about that? And he said, I'm currently out for a drink, but I feel terrible. Come on, Brighton. <laughs> okay. well, so that tells you everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Would that um, be a good video or not? <laughs> Oh, it'd be a brilliant video. Can you imagine Matt Kendrick trying to bumble his way around a unicycle? How would it work? Like, what? I don't know. I'll go meet him and start filming falling off it loads of times and stuff. Where are those like, pads, like skateboard pads? <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, that's what I'm more buzzing about for next week. If we win, it's like, yeah, conference league, whatever. Where's Kendrick's unicycle? That's what I want to go and cover. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, mate, that's a shout. Like imagine like welcome to the stage, Matt Kendrick, and he wheels himself on on a unicycle. Oh, what a brilliant shout that is! Yeah, um, yeah. stabilizers. I'll, I'll, I'll mention that too. Thank you for that. Thank you everyone for tuning in. As always, like we said, a little bit random, a little bit scattered gun, but this is this is the post match show. It's going to change a little bit next season, but we'll talk about that more then. Um, thanks everyone for watching. As always, John, thank you for joining me. Thanks to the people, by the way, that I tweeted earlier saying, live show coming up, it's going to be a bit of a party. We had like 10 tickets sell like that. So now like it looks like Villa might achieve something. People are going, oh yeah, I fancy going to that. I fancy going for a beer and, and chatting about the season. So ticket for that down below. Come and see us. We'd appreciate it. Um, we'll be back. I don't know when, maybe Monday or Tuesday we'll do something, but I'm not sure just yet. If nothing else, there'll be a match preview for Brighton and then obviously the post-match show next Sunday. There's a video going on Monday, isn't there? Oh yeah, a, yeah. A video about the live show specifically is coming Monday. Yeah, great. You know more than me. Yeah, thanks everyone for watching. Been all over the place. We hope you like it. We'll see you very soon. Bye. <laughs>